So today is graduation Sunday, and I'm sure for many of you that conjures or brings up memories from the past. Um, anybody here uh, think about the day that you graduated? Sorry, kids, you're, you're kind of out of the loop on this one. Uh, do you guys remember kind of what that was like when you graduated? I graduated 22 years ago. Uh, did anybody here feel like your life was over when you graduated? Courtney, are you feeling life like, is, like, like life is over? No, I bet if you were to stop and think, you'd say, life is just beginning, right? I'm looking forward to it. So in a sense, life might uh, be over in the fact that I'm, I'm no longer going to be under my parents' roof. I'm going to be no longer under their constant guidance and uh, supervision. But you know that they're going to go out to this great big world. They're going to make good choices. Sorry, you're going to make some bad choices. You're going to have good experiences. You're going to have bad experiences. You're going to go become the greatest doctor that Baker has ever sent out. Hopefully you come back and be the doctor here that uh, I'm sure Baker could enjoy having. So in one sense, it's the end. But in the other sense, it's just the beginning. And that's a very exciting time. And I'm sure you will remember these days, these, these memories for years and years to come. You know, the, the idea of the end is just the beginning. It's found in Scripture as well. And that's what we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter 24. For everybody who's been with me for two and a half years going through the book of Luke, you can just give yourself a pat on the back because we're finally done. Yep. Okay, after today, just give me like 25 minutes, okay, and then we'll be done. But Jesus, he's had his disciples with him for over three years. And he's taught them, and he's done miracles. They've watched him work. They've seen him in action. And they're, we're getting to the end of Jesus' life on earth. We saw a couple uh, weeks ago that Jesus rose from the dead. And then we're going to see that these disciples are not done. And yes, it's the end of their time with Jesus on earth, but that doesn't mean it's time for them to just sit back and relax. There's something that Jesus has in mind for them to do as well. So we're going to be looking at that, that, that idea of this is not the end. It's just this jumping point to something else. And at this point in the scripture, the disciples are not going. They're not doing anything when they should be. At this point, they're sitting there in fear because they do not understand what the scriptures say. And we're going to look at when they do understand the scriptures, their attitude changes, and then their actions result, uh, they change as a result. So Luke chapter 24, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 36 through 53. And I'm just going to read one verse, stop and discuss it for a little bit before we move on. Uh, the first thing, verse 36 says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now it's been a couple weeks since we've been here because last week was Mother's Day. Again, just mothers, happy Mother's Day one more time a week later. I'm sure you can't get enough of happy Mother's Day wishes. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, we were uh, looking at the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And these guys had, it, had, they had everything they should have needed. They, were, they, they, they went through the, the experience with Jesus on the cross. And they, they're going home, and as they're walking home, they have this, this doubt, and they have this fear. They're on the road of defeat because, they, because of what has gone on. But as they're walking, Jesus joins with them on their trail, and they start to explain to Jesus all the proof that they should have needed to be on the road of hope. The problem was they had all the knowledge here, but they could not combine it with faith. And during that trip, they get back to Emmaus, and Jesus starts to break the bread and he starts to pass it out. And they notice, whether it's the technique of breaking bread, they said, this is Jesus, 
or they could see the holes in his hands. They said, this is Jesus. And so they run back to Jerusalem. And that's where we're picking up again today. Back in Jerusalem, uh, these two disciples have talked to the, uh, to the other disciples. And you find that these guys are afraid. They're afraid in Jesus' death. And the reason they're afraid is because they did not understand the scriptures. Uh, from this verse, it just sounds like Jesus appeared in a room. Now, that would be a very scary thing. If we locked our doors and all of a sudden we had somebody just show up here, anybody here going to be just a little bit nervous, a little bit worried? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm stepping back. <laughs> I'm afraid, like, let that person talk to somebody else first. Uh, and so I'm not going to look at these disciples and think that they're wimps because it would be scary. They're, they're, in uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 in the NIV, it says they were all huddled together because of fear of the Jews, and the doors were locked. And so all of a sudden, having Jesus showing up is a very scary thing because Jesus died. They're expecting him in the grave. Uh, if, if they weren't expecting him to stay dead, they would be running around with excitement looking for Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning, they would have been at the tomb, but they weren't because they were afraid. They thought this was the end. They were afraid that the Jews took out Jesus. Well, who's next? It's the disciples. And so they're huddled around in fear. And why were they hiding in fear? It's because they did not understand the scriptures. Uh, we've looked at this a few times before. Uh, Luke chapter 18, Jesus has told the disciples, this is what you are to expect. This is what is supposed to take place. Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. says, And they took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, which they did, and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Look, guys, this is what is going to take place. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit on. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus foretold this. He said, look, guys, this is what's going to happen. But they're hiding in fear because they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. How could Jesus go through this uh, death? And, and they're thinking he's just dead. That's it. They, they put their faith in the wrong thing, and now they're, they're just kind of stuck. But you find uh, that they were afraid when he died, but they're also afraid now that he's come back to life. Uh, verse 37 says, But they were terrified, and they were frightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Obviously, something that you would think if all of a sudden somebody comes through and just appears. You're not expecting a physical body to be able to do that. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do you, why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. He's like, okay, guys, I know you need this little proof. Come, touch me. Feel me. I am a real person. And these guys are afraid. Verse 40 says that they, uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41 says, but while they still not believed for joy, they marveled at him. They were, in other, another way to put this is they, it was too good to be true. The fact that this guy that they had believed in had died on the cross was terrible, but all of a sudden he's appearing here alive? It's too good to be true. I cannot wrap my mind around this. And that's kind of how the disciples are feeling. So Jesus says, okay, look guys, you got any bread? You guys got anything to eat? He says, I'll prove it to you because I'm going to eat it. Did anybody ever see a ghost on a movie try to eat like Casper the Friendly Ghost? He grabs something, he goes like this, and then it all falls to the floor because he's a ghost. He can't hold it. 
when he's eating, he's saying, I am alive. I have a flesh and blown body just like you guys have. But these guys were afraid when they saw Jesus. Why were they afraid when they saw Jesus? Because they didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't understand what Jesus said that we just looked at. That yes, I'm going to die. I'm, but I'm, yes, I'm going to rise from the dead. Just like I said I was going to. It did not make sense. They did not get it. And so they were overcome by fear. The, their lack of understanding of what scripture showed and what, teach, what Jesus taught them uh, led them to fear. Well, the same is true for you and I. Our lack of understanding of Scripture is going to cause us to lead to fear. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, If you are going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Now, if I don't know that verse, and I'm trying to live for the Lord, and all these things start happening to me, because persecution can come in lots of different ways. It doesn't just at the someone sticking a sword in your face. You can be rejected. You can be ignored. You can be kept away from a promotion. There's all sorts of ways that if you're following Jesus, you're going to face persecution. But if you don't understand that, all of a sudden when that persecution starts to come, what do you want to do? I want to tuck my tail between my legs and I want to run. I don't like to be persecuted. And, it, it, and so it's important that we make sure that we understand what Scripture says. Because when it comes true, you're going you're gonna to be able to withstand whatever situation that you're going through. I've been trying to talk to my kids, Leslie and I, about uh, persecution in other parts of the world. And, you know, that's something that's pretty easy to grasp, uh, that people in other countries are being put to death for their faith. But then one of them was like, well, wait a second, like here in America too? And it's like, yes, in America too. Sure, we don't have, uh, we, we can go to church openly and it's fine, but we in, here in America are going to face persecution at some point it is going to get worse than it is. It may get to the point where people are uh, putting the knife to your throat and saying, uh, reject Jesus or die. It, it's not left to that point now, but it could be coming. And if we are not prepared, if we don't understand Scripture is coming or, or what it's saying, when that time comes, we're going to falter. We're gonna, instead of standing strong, we're going to run away. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, life is easy when you're up on a mountain, right? When everything's going good, when I'm healthy, when my bank's loaded, and my car runs well, and I love my job, and I'm getting along with my wife, everything's wonderful. But when some of those things start to fall apart, it's hard to think, God, what are you doing? What's going on? Why is my life turning out like this? But God says, you know what? In the good times, I'm working this out for your good. In the bad times... I'm working this out for your good. Verse 29 says, his goal is to make you like Jesus. His goal is not to keep you happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Sure, we all want that, but if we don't understand what God is doing, what, what are you doing, God? How come these things are happening to me? I want you to think for a second about the life that Jesus lived here on earth. Was he always happy? Was he always healthy? Was he always wealthy? Was he always wise? I mean, he always was wise. i got to give him that one. Uh, but he went through rejection. He went through uh, being ignored. He got spit on. He had people hate him. He had people want to kill him all the time. And he ultimately got on that cross. And so we can't just look and say, yeah, life is always going to work out good for me. We've got to trust what the scriptures say in order to have confidence that when I'm going through some stretch of life that's terrible, that it is okay because God has it under control. Matthew 24, verse 12. 
It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most is going to grow cold. Well, what do you learn from that verse? This world that we're living in that seems really nice right now is going to get worse. And I hate to bring that up because I think about Courtney and I think about Sean who are just getting their chance to get out there and explore what life really has to offer uh, to go become the doctor, you know, to go be become the wife, go become the husband, become the, the boss of the company, whatever it is that they choose to do. But it's only going to get worse. And if we don't understand Scripture's telling us that, we're going to be caught off guard. We're going to be worried all the time when things get worse and worse. So our lack of understanding of what Scripture says, our lack of knowledge about it is going to cause us uh, to, to worry, to, to be freaked out when we shouldn't be. Yes, tough times are going to come, but we know God's got it. We know that he is in control. On the flip side, your confidence in Scripture is going to, or, or your, your understanding of Scripture is going to give you confidence. And we look at the disciples in verses uh, 44 to, to about 46, that's what it took. And this is what happened to the disciples. They, had, they understood Scripture finally because Jesus opened their minds to be able to understand it. And we know that they had confidence in Scripture because, as we'll look at it a few minutes from other places, is these guys went out and they did something with it. They didn't just have it and say, okay, good, I'm, I'm good to go. Their, their life changed. They put it into practice, and they went out there. But first, they, their mind has to be open. They have to have confidence in what the Scripture really says. It says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. He opened up their minds so they said, Oh, I understand. He walked them through the Old Testament, which uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to, I came up with like five different verses to say, Hey, he could have done this and he could have done this in order to get to our need from the gospel, for the gospel. Uh, to when he actually died on the cross, to, to his rising again. Uh, but like I said, for time's sake, I know there's a graduation that people are like, okay, shut up, let's go, because I have things to do. But he gave them a message, and he walked them through and said, this is what the scripture says, and understand it. it it's got to be the best message that was ever written. How would you like to have everything explained as far as the, the prophecy predicting Jesus, right? Coming to, to this earth to be born, to die on a cross, to rise again ultimately. That's what Jesus gave to them. And they, their minds were open. They had confidence. They understood it now. And so their life is going to change accordingly. And you think Jesus appearing in that room is enough proof. You think eating this bread is enough proof. But finally, they, they had this confidence because they understood what the Scripture says. Yes, Jesus appearing was part of that. Yes, the eating was a part of that. But the opening hit their minds to Scripture gave them the confidence that they ultimately needed to later on get out there and, and preach the gospel. If you understand Scripture, if you know it, what Scripture says, and you understand Scripture, then you will have the confidence that you need in order to do it, to, in order to put it into practice. James 1, chapter 5 through 8 talks about if you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to ask God. And if I understand from Scripture, that if I really need wisdom, that God's going to give it to me, that if I believe and I don't doubt that he's going to give me the wisdom that I need, then I'm going to have confidence to actually do it. This is what he's saying. I'm going to do it because I believe it's true. Uh, anybody here ever have enemies in your life? Right? We've, we've all had enemies, people that we haven't gotten along with. Well, if I 
understand what Scripture is saying, uh, and I believe it, then I will put it into practice. Romans chapter 12, verses 18 to 20 says, here, let me read it for you. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 18 to 20, it talks about dealing with your enemy. It says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather uh, give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If I have confidence that God's going to take care of it, then I don't have to try to take care of it myself. And let me tell you, the wrath that God can give to somebody or the, the revenge or the, the, the compensation, whatever that God can do for somebody, is going to be way better than what I'm going to do. I mean, what, what can I do? I can, I can scream at somebody, I can sue somebody, I can hit somebody, but it's not going to matter. And if I have confidence that God's going to take care of it, I'm going to do what he says in verse 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I have confidence that what Scripture says is really true. I'm going to trust God to do his part, and I'm going to do the part that he's given me to do. And if I truly believe what Scripture says, if I know what it says, then I'm going to go out there and do it. And that leads to what the disciples do, uh, ultimately, is they go out and they share it. And it's, this is a very important thing for us to do. Uh, when verse 36, it says, Thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name. So uh, repentance is a very important part of salvation. I know it's easy, and I know sometimes I don't probably make that very clear, is it's easy to say, you know what, we're all sinners. We're all on this, we start on the same point. We're all lost, right? And we all we make the playing field even, because Romans 3.23 says what we've all sinned. But he says it's important that they know that. That's the remissions of sins, that you can have your sins forgiven. But there's also this repentance part, which means I go the opposite direction. It means I'm going to turn from my sin, and I'm going to go with Jesus. Everything that's bad out there that I shouldn't do, I'm supposed to leave that behind. But a lot of times I think people get caught up in this idea, I'm going to grab this sin with me, and I'm going to grab Jesus with me, and I'm just going to go on my merry way. Yeah, I screwed up sometimes, but Jesus is going to forgive me, and I can just keep living in both worlds at one time, but that's not how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to leave that sin behind, and I'm supposed to walk with Jesus. If you notice in verse 46, it says it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. We know that, but you want to carry that verse or that word to verse 47 and say that it was necessary that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It is necessary for the disciples to, to take what they have learned from Jesus, this fact that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead, and take it and share it. You know, the easy thing, or, or you know, what they could have done is they could have just said, boy, did we have quite the experience. We had three and a half years with Jesus, and uh, boy, that was fun. You know, no one else is going to, I'm going to write a book, right? I'm going to write a bestseller. Uh, we're going to stick it in part of the Bible and call it good, right? Um, they could have went back to being fishermen, Matthew could have went back to uh, being a tax collector or whatever else that they were doing. But that's not what they were supposed to do. He says it's necessary for you to be the witnesses, for you to get out there and share this message that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead with everybody that, that you come in contact with. And so that's what these disciples end up doing. Um, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, 
uh, familiar to most of you, I'm sure. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's how Matthew puts it. Get out there, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, verses 15 to 16 says similar things. The only thing that you get at this passage is that they were supposed to stay in Jerusalem and wait until they got the Holy Spirit. Now let me read the, the, the last couple verses here, and then we'll come back and talk about them. And he says, You are the witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising God, uh, praising and blessing God. So you have these disciples who were told, wait in Jerusalem until you get, get this special gift, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit that you can read about in Acts chapter 2. But do you think they were supposed to just sit there and twiddle their thumbs and wait? No. I think they were supposed to still go out there in Jerusalem and still point out this truth that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. Jesus appears to lots of other people. I think it's important that these disciples do it as well. They get out there and they share the gospel with the people. Now, these disciples, if you read through the book of Acts, it's a great book to read through. It has kind of snippets of the things that they did. I'm sure they did far more than what's recorded in the book of Acts. And these disciples, they went out. Anybody here think that the disciples did it perfectly? Do you think that every time they, they spoke, the gospel people got saved? Uh, do you think that they, they only had good things happen? I mean, they did have good things happen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is the preacher's dream. This is like Billy Graham's dream or Franklin Graham's dream. Uh, Peter preached and over 3,000 people got saved, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? If you're just speaking and, and 3,000 people get saved? Uh, you find that Acts 8, Philip, he went and talked to the Ethiopian eunuch, and that guy got saved. But you find that these guys, they screwed up sometimes. Peter, in the book of Galatians, he, he, he screwed up, and Paul addressed them publicly to his face in front of everybody. Peter, you're sticking your foot in your mouth. You're not supposed to be living like this. But for the most part, these guys kept getting out there. They kept trying to give this message. They ended up getting persecuted. They got put to death. They got, they got chased off. They got run off. Uh, but these are all the kinds of things that they had to endure if they were going to be the witnesses. And why were they willing to do that? For we just saw that they're hiding in a room afraid of the Jews. Why now is there a difference? Why are they out there gung-ho, I don't care what anybody thinks, well, part of it is because, yes, they in fact saw that Jesus rose from the dead, but the other part is they saw what the scripture foretold, and they understood it, and so now they had confidence. And so they said, we are going to go out and live this way. And that is exactly what we're supposed to do as well. We're supposed to read what the scripture says, we're supposed to have the confidence in it, and then we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to live it. And we need to open up our mouths. I remember saying this a couple weeks ago. When you're going to share the gospel, you have to say something. Yes, buying groceries for somebody is really nice. Changing somebody's tire is really nice. Sitting and listening to your friend crying on your shoulder for hours upon hours is really good. But those are not the end in themselves. That, that is not sharing the gospel. That, that hopefully will be a doorway to the gospel, but at some point you have to open up your mouth and you have to say it. And you are a witness. And what's a witness do? 
Well, if there was an accident and you watched it, all you're saying is this is the facts, right? Yeah, I don't have to be personally involved. I'm just saying that, boy, Steve ran into Anita, you know, and that's just this is how it all played out. It's just the facts. And that's what you have to tell people, just the facts. This is what the Bible says. We don't have to worry about arguing with people. We don't have to worry about trying to debate with people about all the, the difficult things because there are a slug of difficult things in here that people are going, could possibly bring up. But your job is to be a witness to say, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus did for me. Take it or leave it, right? You don't have to. That's, your job is not to save people. Your job is to just get that message out there and people are going to make up their own minds. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to get into this book. I want to challenge you to read this book, to know this book, and to understand it. Because it will help you to get out there and to live this, this out. This isn't just information that, boy, we just made it through two and a half years. Good. I hope, hopefully the next book doesn't take that long. Um, you never know. Um, preachers sometimes get long-winded about that thing. But I want you to be able to understand it so you have confidence to live it out. I, can, I have to do the same thing. I have to read it. I have to know it. I have to understand it. So I will go out there and put it into practice. So just a, just a, a closing uh, a thought here. Um, hearing the gospel isn't enough. Okay, I'm sure we've all heard the gospel 100,000 times about how we are all sinners. We've all done things wrong. We all need a Savior. And Jesus came to, this cross, came to this earth to die on a cross to be our Savior so that we could have eternal life. It's not just enough to hear the gospel. You have to believe it. You've got to trust the fact that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could have eternal life. But, it, you know, in a sense there, it's not enough just to believe the gospel either. It's not just enough to say, okay, I got Jesus in one arm, and so now I can do whatever I want in my other arm, and then here I'm happy the rest of my life. It's, it's, we have to make sure that we live it. We have to make sure that it's transforming in our lives. But in a sense, it's not just enough just to uh, believe it. It's not just enough to live it. We also have to share it because there's a world out there that needs to hear it. And so I want to challenge you two things. First, get very comfortable with what the Scripture says so that you understand it, so you have the courage to live it out, but also make sure that this gospel doesn't end with you. It's just the beginning. It's just the opportunity for you to take what you know and go pass that message on. It's time for you to be like the graduates. It's time to, uh, to take your wings and fly. It's time to get out there in that big, bad world and, and make something out of it. But make something out of it for the Lord. I just challenge you, remember, this is not the end. It's just the beginning. Let's pray. God in heaven. I thank you that you have, have been so good to us. God, you have been so patient to us. God, I thank you for this book of Luke, for how much you have taught us. I know, God, I have, taught, I have learned so much uh, from, from what this book says, and I know there's so much uh, information here. And I just, God, I just pray that you'd help us to remember these things as we need them. God, the Bible is so big. There's so many things that we have a hard time understanding and a hard time remembering. God, please give us a hunger and a desire to get into your word and to know it and to believe it, to have confidence in it, that this is really your word to us and, and, and that we'll be out there and putting it into practice. And God, I know we all know people who need to know you as their Savior. And God, I pray for the words to say at the moment, uh, to say them, and that those people would be receptive to hear that message as well. 
Again, God, I thank you for our, our graduates, and I do ask, God, if you lead them out through the graduation ceremony and, and throughout the rest of their lives, that they would be a bright, shining light for you, and that you would just bless them with every wisdom that they need and every protection. I, I just, we just pray for your special blessing on them at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.